Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. It's not easy being the one everyone counts on to keep your operation running, no matter the weather or supply chain hiccup. But we get you Raymond in Buffalo, Maria in Miami, and Jules and Troy. Taking control of everything that's under your control. At Granger, we're here for you with high-quality supplies for every industry, plus real-time product availability and access to experts ready to help. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. At The Home Depot, we're dedicated to helping you build the skills that get your home projects done right. That's why we offer free and interactive online DIY workshops. During the live streams, our knowledgeable associates help you tackle your DIY projects no matter your age or skill level. You can learn how to install new single pole switches as well as standard duplex and GFCI outlets. Register for free at homedepot.com slash workshops. The Home Depot, how doers get more done. lesbian pickup line it might be oh my god is it i don't know That's... oh did i just discover something i didn't actually know no i maybe I, I, it's gonna be my new lesbian pickup line yeah right the next time i'm trying to pick up a lady i'm gonna be like so who's your favorite our son the little fair tour hey hey see you over here drinking your whiskey sour oh uh, they're they're drinking like a labat blue and whiskey sours okay I don't know. All the lesbians we know don't drink either of those. Not at all. Yeah. Not, Not at, at all. all. Mostly they drink ciders. I see you over here drinking your cider. Oh, yeah. And I couldn't yeah. help but wonder. Yeah. Who's your favorite artist on the Lilith Fair tour? Oh. Well, I am really partial to Sarah McLaughlin. She's great. She's really good. Yeah. I don't actually know, like, besides Sarah McLaughlin, who was in Lilith Fair. Indigo Girls? Probably. Melissa Etheridge? Yes, definitely. Uh... Is Tori Amos in the Lost Fair? Maybe. Maybe. Ani DeFranco? Kate Bush? Sure, all of these. Ladies! Oh. Singers, songwriting, ladies. If it's a lady with a guitar, you know she's or on the Or a piano. Fair. Or a piano, yeah. Yeah. Anything else, though, get the fuck out. <laughs> get out of here. None of that shit. <laughs> but I, I, I don't know. I don't know. I'm, I've never, like... It's weird, because, like... I really loved Tori Amos and Paula Cole, but that was, like, kind of where I drew the line. Oh, I'm pretty sure Paula Cole was on the Lilith Fair tour. Yeah, she had to be. God, it could have been anybody. It really could have been. It could have been all of these ladies or none of them, <laughs> except for Sarah McLaughlin. Oh, she was definitely on it. Oh, yeah, no. Sure. I think she is Lilith Fair. <laughs> That's her real given birth name? Yeah. Is Lilith Sarah Fair. Sarah Lilith Fair McLaughlin. She will remember you. 
Dum, dum, dum. <laughs> oh. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Remember the nineties? Those were a great time. I do. We're gonna talk about a lot about the nineties today. I'm I'm here for it. Hey guys, remember the nineties? <laughs> I feel like all month has been guys, remember the nineties? Remember? I remember. I remember. I do. That was that was our fucking heyday, guys. But I I'm fine with that because I Sometimes would much rather talk about artists from the 90s than it would the 60s and 70s. Oh, agreed. So that's fine with me. But I also think that comes from, yes, the fact that that's when we grew up. But also, artists from the 60s and 70s, like, come on, they've kind of been done to death at this point. Exactly. And not a lot of people are talking about 90s artists, so why yeah. not Why and, not it be us? Yeah, and I mean, honestly, we are kind of at the point where some of these artists, it's like, yo, they've been around for over 20 years. They are... Like, do we have to talk about them <laughs> No, wait. Like, I don't. I don't want to do episodes on the Who. Oh, I'm I meant. Sorry. I meant the '90s artists. Oh, they've okay. been around for 20 years. The Who has been around for like 40? 40 or 50. But like, we don't need to do. We don't need to talk about the who. the who. Everybody talks about the Who. We don't need to talk about. I the really who. don't. Need Quite to frankly, talk about the who. don't want to talk about Pete Townsend. Townsend. Yeah, that's don't, don't you know wanna. what? That's a Pandora's box that I don't fucking feel like opening. And a lot of people are gonna get angry if we talk about Pete Townsend. So yeah. like, we as well just like, keep our fucking mouths shut, right? I feel like I feel like we we skirted around some shit enough with Janis Joplin and Jimi Hendrix, who yeah. arguably I just felt like we didn't know a lot about their personal lives. Yeah, you, I thought they were interesting because I thought they had people, very interesting upbringings. Two people that were more famous than their death. Whose deaths were more famous than them. Yes. And there's so much more beyond their death. Their death. Their 27 Club thing. Yeah. Yeah. But this person we're talking about is not in the 27 Club. Thank God. Yeah. She's been around for a while and still paying her dues. And you might only know her for one song. Yeah, that's true. And if you only know her for that one song, then I'm so sorry. But you're going to hear more about her today. Yeah. So... Because today we're talking about Fiona Apple. Yeah. She's a criminal. She's been a bad, bad girl. She has. She has been careless with a delicate man. Yup. How dare she? Welcome to Rock Candy. Your weekly treat of podcasts. (laughs) It is a treat of a podcast. It's a treat of a podcast. (laughs) We're bringing you stories and tales from the world of music every single week. Mm. And this week we're talking about Fiona Apple, bringing it back to the 90s. We're your hosts, I'm Maggie. I'm Ashley. And yeah, get ready for get ready for some flashbacks. I'm gonna admit something up front mm-hmm. that you admitted a few weeks ago that I was surprised to hear. Not like a super big fan of Fiona Apple. Yeah. I don't dislike her. It's like you with Bjork. I don't yeah. dislike her. I think she's talented and I totally understand why people are moved by her, and many have found her as an inspiration for their music. Yeah. She just... I, I tried. I tried this. I, the new album's fine, but it's just... I'm not really into her music. Yeah. I don't know what it is. It's just... I like to, I like to refer to that now as fan-adjacent. So... <laughs> what? Like, I'm not fully a fan, but I will gladly... Stand next to them and be like, no, I appreciate what you're doing. Yeah. I'm just not really into it. Yeah. Like, I am not fan adjacent of Fiona Apple, but I can totally respect her and her music. Right. And she does have a few jams. Mm-hmm. So that's cool. 
I don't like Criminal, but like she has other stuff. I don't think anybody likes Criminal anymore. So I don't think Fiona Apple herself likes Criminal. <laughs> I don't even like I'm, that song, guys. I'm pretty sure she doesn't perform it anymore. She's just not okay. Is Criminal with it. Fiona Apple's creep? Yeah, probably. Good for her. <laughs> Everybody gets a creep. Everybody gets one. Yes. Yeah. Tell them, Radiohead. <laughs> oh, apparently everyone gets one. <laughs> Get out of here, Tom York, with your crazy eye. Fucking weird eye. I like Tom York. I can I know, take him or leave you're him. You're fan of Jason. I'm, no. Oh. I'm not. I don't think I would say I'm fan of Jason to Radiohead. You are understanding of what I'm, it is. I'm I am not overwhelmed or underwhelmed. You're simply... I am simply whelmed okay. by Radiohead. Right. Fair enough. That's it. Yeah. Nobody can get mad at me for that. No. You know somebody's gonna, though. They, they're gonna fucking come The one-star reviews are just gonna flood in from Radiohead fans. How dare you? How dare you? How dare you? Choices. <laughs> Speaking of choices... We could have chose any beer to drink for tonight. No, we couldn't have. Yeah. Tonight we chose You're All I Need Galaxy. This is a weird... I don't understand. You're All I Need Galaxy. I was just calling it You're All I Need. I ignored the galaxy part. That's fair, too. Yeah. It's a double dry hop, double IPA from Interborough Brewing in Brooklyn. And like you with Radiohead, I am simply... Whelmed. Yeah. It's IPA, guys. It is a... It's an IPA. That's an IPA. And you know what? Sick of IPAs. Yeah. So, I'm sorry. I'm not drinking that one tonight. It's fine. I'm drinking it, and it's probably put me in an existential crisis of beers, because I'm really sick of IPAs. Yeah. Because craft beer can be very creative. Like, stouts, sours. Brown ales. Saisons. Pilsners. Yeah. Like, Those are very... They, they run the gamut. They try different things. Rarely do you, like, get too many in a row that all taste the same. But I find yeah. that with IPAs, I could grab five and they're all just going to taste like Christmas tree. I feel like all Fight of the me. other kinds of beers are pliable. You can yeah. do different pro- like flavor... Pro- profiles. Flavor profiles and get a different kind of beer every time yeah. with ipas it's just like oh but we have to make it taste like pine salt underneath everything we double dry hopped these we triple dry hopped these this is a this is this a is east coast this is west coast this is although uh, east coast does taste better than west coast it does and dippas taste better than well, regular citra dippas citra you dip- have to have the citra if you don't have the citra in your dippa go fuck yourself but then listen to us Complaining about IPAs and then being like, but Dippas are better than Ippas. Nipas <laughs> are better than Ippas, but Weepas are not better than Nipas. <laughs> no, they're not. Oh my God. They're not. Oh my God. But I understood every single thing right? you just said and I kind of hate myself. Told you, this beer sent me on an existential fucking crisis. And he hated every second of it. Can we talk about Fiona Apple Can now? We, yeah, because I'm, I'm done talking about this fucking beer yeah fuck this beer let's talk about fiona <laughs> apple oh man uh, but i mean if you like ipas pick it up if you don't like ipas stay away yeah pick there it up go. pick it up pick it up pick it up <laughs> <laughs> all right let's just fucking talk about fiona apple then indeed okay if you know who fiona apple is you probably already have an opinion of her 
And if you only know her from her brief time as the it girl of the late 90s, then you most likely remember her for crawling around in her underwear in her criminal music video or for her controversial acceptance speech at the 1997 MTV Music Video Video Music Awards. I don't actually know that. This world is bullshit? Yeah. You don't know that? No. How? Are we going to talk about it? Extensively. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't have cable. But, like, you didn't need to have cable. I got nothing. I didn't like Fiona Apple. Yeah. (laughs) I didn't care. Yeah. Yeah. But we're here to tell you that there's so much more to Fiona than anyone could guess. Even Maggie. Especially (laughs) Maggie. Especially Maggie. (laughs) (laughs) The complexity of her emotions is raw and in your face, and she's 100% unapologetic about it. She's an open book to a point where she seems to be careening off the cliff of TMI, but that's exactly why she's endearing. No matter what she's going through, you can relate to how she feels about it. From the beginning, Fiona Apple McAfee Maggart was a renegade. Yeah, that's a, oh, that's a lot mama, of names. She's in fear from her life from the long arm of the law. I, don't get me started. I will sing that whole song. Yeah, that's a different episode. <laughs> she was born in New York City on September 13th, 1977, and her upbringing was anything but conventional. Her mother, Diane McAfee, a, who was a singer and dancer, and her father was actor Brandon Maggart. Oh, hence the hyphenated name. Yes. That's not a great last name. It's a lot. Maggart. Maggart. McAfee Maggart. It feels like either someone's bastardizing my name or like it's a weird gateway to calling her Maggot. Yeah. There's a lot of bad Kids are cruel. Oh, yes, they were. Through Brandon, Fiona has Melungeon ancestry. Melungeons, which I never heard of before. They were a tri-racial group of people that lived in Appalachia. White European, African, and Native American. What? Yeah, crazy. All right. So you have Native Americans, which were always on that land. You had white Europeans who came and invaded that land and settled that land. And then you had African, or no, just straight Africans, whose ships would crash or they would be sold at, at markets and somehow would escape, they would go to the mountains of Appalachia hmm. and hide there. Oh. Maybe join some tr- roaming tribes of Native Americans or, you know, weird mountain people. I just feel like the Native Americans, or I guess the indigenous people mm-hmm. and the Africans met up and said, yo, but you hate white people too? <laughs> yeah, fuck this. Let's yo. get together. <laughs> But these motherfuckers, but am these I right? Motherfuckers, am I right? They're just sitting over there talking shit about us, and I'm like, yeah. We and then like this. a few white people come through, and they're like, but we're not those motherfuckers, okay? Right. <laughs> Hashtag not all white people. <laughs> Hashtag not all European invaders. <laughs> anyway, Brandon wasn't a huge name in Hollywood, but he received consistent work, mostly small parts in big name shows. He appeared in the inaugural season of Sesame Street Aww. in 1969 and went on to have small parts in The World According to Garp and Married oh, yeah. with Children. The World According to Garp. I remember that show. Good old Garp. That was a movie. What? 
the world according to I Dark. still don't know what that is. It's I'm if I'm remembering correctly, it was a movie starring Robin Williams, one of his very first dramatic roles, and it was very, very good. Oh. Well, now I want to watch it. Exceptionally good. All right. Never mind. I rescind my comment. <laughs> he was also a prolific Broadway actor, and here is where he met Fiona's mother, Diane. They worked on on the musical Applause together and entered into a long relationship. However, they never married. Good for them. Brandon had been previously married from 1955 to 1971 and had five children with his first wife. They were really good Catholics. They were busy Catholics. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> with Diane, Brandon had two more children, Amber Tallulah and Fiona Apple. Most of Fiona's siblings went into the entertainment business, most notably Amber, who changed her name to Maud Maggart and became a well-known burlesque dancer and cabaret singer. Ooh, that's yeah. fun. That's spicy. Very spicy. Yeah. So Apple is Fiona's middle name. Yes. Okay. So technically, yeah, it's her real name, just not her real last name. Apple is not a bad middle name, but Apple is not a great first name. Gwyneth. Looking at you, looking Chris at, Martin. Looking at you, Goop. Goop and Coldplay. Ugh. Cold Goop. Goop and Bleh Play. Yes. Butt Play. <laughs> <laughs> goop and Butt Play. Oh my God. Here's my parents. <laughs> awesome. Woof. <laughs> Fiona's early years were a bit odd in comparison to her peers. She grew up in Har in the Harlem area of New York City with her mother and sister, as her parents split up when she was only four years old. Mm. She would spend summers with her father in California, coming back to New York during the school year. Some of her earliest memories seem tumultuous, riddled with bullies, conflicts with her parents, and traumatic events. Oh. In an interview with Mark Maron's podcast, she recalled that a fire broke out in the apartment building she lived in. An old woman accidentally burnt a portion of the building down, but through some shady deals, Columbia University paid off some guys to finish the job so the college could seize the land and build dorms. <gasps> so she like lost her childhood home because Columbia University was like, nah, burn it down. We want to build dorms. Wow, Columbia University, you're a bunch of dickbags. Yeah. Go fuck yourselves. Yeah. For-profit college? Oh, it's not a for-profit college. Uh... Quote unquote, not quote unquote for profit. Right? I mean, I guess that's what I mean. Anyway, yeah. private institutions, go fuck yourselves. Yeah. Because of this incident, she moved into, into the apartment of her mother's best friend's daughter. Wow. Okay. That's a real Kevin Bacon of a situation. That's a lot of degrees. Yes. And I'm not talking degrees from Columbia. Haha. <laughs> I'm. Okay. Oh, I got it. Jesus Sorry. Christ. <laughs> That's a good. The apartment wasn't fit for children at all, since it was filled with cockroaches and a crucified Kermit the Frog that said fuck Jesus under it. No, that sounds like New York City. Yeah. Yeah. Eventually, the girls found their own apartment in the Morningside Gardens complex in Harlem, where Fiona's mother still resides today. Lovely. From a very early age, Fiona was classically trained on piano and was composing her own pieces by the time she was eight years old. One of her favorite things to do was compose her own music for chase scenes in the National Geographic Nature series. What? What? 
Yeah, so like, remember like the just like the nature shows we would see when we were kids. Yeah. We didn't have cable, but maybe maybe you did. I don't know. Um, but yeah, any of the chase scenes, she would like compose so she's their a own little movie. kid yeah. making up music for the chase scenes. for like a cheetah chasing down a gazelle or something. Fucking nerd. Also brutal. And kind it's of pretty fucking you know, metal. Super adorable. <laughs> yeah, super adorable. She's just a little metal nerd kid who's like, yeah. I love watching murder from animals, but like, I want to write the music for it. I want to compose the soundtrack to this animal murder that I'm watching. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Good for you, girl. I write music for animal murder. Yeah. <laughs> As she got older, she started playing along to jazz standards around this time, discovering singers like Billie Holiday and Ella Fitzgerald, and they would have a big influence on her, and that definitely comes out in her songs. Oh, yeah. No doubt. By the time she was 11, she was taking piano very seriously. It wasn't just something she was good at. It was a way to release her aggression when she was angry and depressed. Mm. And unfortunately, she was angry and depressed a lot as a child. Yeah. She was consistently bullied in school for being skinny and, quote, funny looking. And it gave her a complex, riddling her own mind with thoughts of self-loathing. And her parents' long and drawn-out separation did nothing but exacerbate those dark thoughts. I I love how, like, with kids, it's like... It's never, it's never good enough, is it? Like, you know, get made fun of for being too fat. You get made fun of for being too skinny. Mm-hmm. Go fuck yourselves, kids. Like, if you were at all in the periphery, you were made fun of. By yeah. somebody. Kids are garbage. Most of the time. Yeah. Yeah, kids. I didn't really get bullied to my face, like, ever. Oh. But there was, <laughs> I do remember one time there was one kid who called me fat, and I just looked at him, and I was like, Really? Like, <laughs> you, you are calling me fat? Like, have you seen yourself? Like, you are, like, lower than me in this hierarchy of high school. Yeah. You don't have the right to call Oh, I'm me sorry. Fat. In high school he tried to do that? Like... I think it was, like, eighth or ninth grade or something. Still, I was like, like, I feel like at that point... Really? Yeah. That's some that's some kindergarten bullshit, buddy. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Try a little harder. I'm not going to listen. You you calling me fat is not going to affect me no. in any way. Me calling myself fat is more affecting to my psyche than you calling me fat, sir. See, I got made fun of a lot because I had a lot of hair. Like, I hit puberty before all the other kids. Uh-huh. I was, like, way taller and he had huge boobs and I had hairy armpits. Yeah. And my mom never taught me to shave my armpits. So the kids are like, you have hairy armpits. And I'm like, I don't know what to do about this. I got to like age 11. I was like, mom, I need to shave my legs. And she's like, fine. Oh, yeah. By that point, she was just like, yeah. Okay. I don't think I shaved anything until I was like 12. Yeah. That's why I'm very much insecure about body hair now. <laughs> Thanks, mom. And children. Children are garbage. Yeah. And other children's parents are garbage also. Everyone's garbage. Everyone's garbage. Fuck all of this. Yeah. Why are we even here? I don't know. Let's yeah. talk about Fiona Apple. Not she right. probably would agree with us. Yeah, she would. <laughs> Eventually, she was put into therapy, which was prompted by one particular incident. Hmm. She was talking to a friend while they were leaving the chapel at their private school, and someone overheard Fiona saying, I'm going to kill myself and I'm going to bring my sister with me. Whoa. 
Okay, that is a lot. That's heavy. That's a lot. That's a bit. She wasn't serious about it, and it was most likely heard out of context, Mm. but the grown-ups in her life didn't want to hear that. So they forced Fiona into therapy, and it actually had the opposite effect on her. Oh, no. She thought she was fine before, but all these adults saying she needed therapy made her think something was wrong with her. Consequently, her therapist diagnosed her with depression and antisocial behavior, which was probably a huge misdiagnosis. Well, depression probably wasn't. Probably not. But the antisocial behavior, I think. That's a little extreme. I think that was pretty extreme. The only way she felt she could be heard was to write letters. Conflicts with her parents were abundant in her early years. Hmm. So she would write letters that pinpointed exactly how she felt. And she would read them to her mom and dad without giving them a chance to interrupt. Wow. And these letters eventually turned into song lyrics, which she would lay out over her piano compositions. Oh, shit. It's like the only way she felt like she could be heard and her she could get her point across. Wow. But that's so creative. And very and adult. For and like good for her for having the balls to be like, I have this letter. Shut the fuck up. I'm reading this. But I also think her parents might have been just fringe enough to be like oh she wrote us a letter let's listen to it yeah instead of just being like no go to your room shut up you know it was it seems like a nice mixture of her having the courage to do that her parents being willing to hear it right things took a drastic turn for the worse when fiona was 12 years old On the day before Thanksgiving in 1989, she was raped by a stranger in the hallway outside the apartment she shared with her mother and sister. I literally was like, don't tell me she was raped. Don't tell me she was raped. Don't tell me she was raped. Yeah. (laughs) Episode zero. Not No incidents. No incidents. Without fucking sexual assault. Great. She noticed this stranger hanging around outside the complex, and when she hurriedly tried to run inside, he caught the door behind her and followed her up to her apartment. He or She almost had the door unlocked when he grabbed her and threatened her with a weapon of some kind. Despite the fact that her family's dogs were loudly barking on the other side of the door, no one came out to help. When he finally let her go, he said something truly disgusting. Happy Thanksgiving. Next time, don't let strangers in. Fuck you. Like, I want to find this guy and just, Who's like, this fucking rip guy? his dick off. I'm, I want to, like, I don't even know. I don't know what's wor- I don't know what's worthy of just ruining his body and psyche. Yeah. I mean, ripping his dick off is going to be a part of it. I just want to give him, like, a million paper cuts all over his body. Mostly the tip of his dick. Mostly on the tip of his dick. Oh. Ugh. Fuck this guy. Oh my god. No, I seriously like hope this dude, I don't know, is crippled from the waist down. Or like Or I hope he just got thrown in jail for something cuz obviously Yeah, and like, then got crippled in jail. Look, I know that this is not a nice thing to think cuz jails are toxic and terrible and there are plenty of people who don't deserve to be in jail, but the people who do deserve to be in jail. Yeah, let terrible things happen to them in jail. Yeah, especially people who are pedophiles and rapists. Like You get to 100% be tortured for the rest of your Mm. fucking life. And boy, do they. Yeah. This harrowing experience changed everything. Fiona retreated into herself, becoming even more introverted and depressed, and developed psychological issues in response to the rape. Of course! She became obsessive-compulsive, an affliction that would follow her throughout her entire life, However, at this point, it manifested into an eating disorder. Mm. And just to be clear, she was not anorexic. 
Instead, she had to control the way her food looked or how it was arranged. And if anything was out of order or didn't look right, she wouldn't eat it. And it became incredibly restrictive. And in an effort to stunt her growth and therefore look unappealing to any potential predators. So she was going through puberty, but she was like literally starving herself in a weird OCD way yeah. in order to look unappealing to people. Like I never even thought about that being a thing, but it, it makes so much sense because she's trying to have absolute control over yes. her own food. Yes. Even though someone else is making it for her. And granted, people who are anorexic do the same thing. They oh, do yeah. it in order to have control over something in their life when their life is just crazy out of control. But Fiona's just... Manifested in a one extra step. Yeah, it just manifested in a way where if it doesn't look right, and it usually doesn't look right, yeah, then she won't eat it. Wow. And this would kind of flare up throughout her life, but at this point, I don't think she had much control over it, even though she thought she did. You know what I mean? Of course. I assume her family knew what happened to her. Yes. And she did like make a police report and everything, but she. She couldn't really recall the details enough to allow the police to make an identification. Like the, she kept saying over and over in all these articles I read that like she tried really hard to fixate on his features, but the only thing she could think was that the guy looked like Jimi Hendrix because uh. at that point she was really into Jimi Hendrix's music. Okay. So in her head, like that's all her brain would allow her to think was, he looks like Jimi Hendrix. That's it. Ugh. I so mean, they like, couldn't again, really... you know, 12-year-old, getting raped. Hard to, like, be like, okay, well, while this is going on, let me really fix it. Yeah. Like, let me try and, you know, think of every single detail. Meanwhile, what your brain wants to do is erase this trauma from the memory banks. Right. And force you to control everything else you can control in your life. Ugh. So. It's awful. She also started taking self-defense classes. And these classes were called model mugging. What? Yeah, they required an instructor to dress up in a padded outfit and simulate attacking the classgoer. Despite the classes, Fiona still suffered panic attacks. Mm. In an effort to overcome her fears, she moved to L.A. during her sophomore year of high school and lived with her father. Wow. It's hard to say if the move helped or not as she moved back to New York the next year. Oh. School was pro- was getting progressively worse for her as the years went on, so she opted to attend night school her junior year. Oh, I didn't even know kids could do that. At least in New York City, you can. Yeah, that makes sense, actually. There's so yeah. many kids. Night school wouldn't last very long, as the one she was attending abruptly closed two weeks before her senior year. Oh, come on. Since it was so close to the beginning of the school year, she couldn't find another school that would take her. She hadn't taken the SATs and couldn't start college courses early, so she was kind of lost in thinking, well, what the fuck do I do now? Yeah, honestly. They really put her in a position of like, well, what are you going to do? I don't know. Yeah. Well, you have to be in school. It's like, okay, well, I can't. Well, so. you guys have pretty much screwed me out of that, so yeah. help? Well, she turned to the one thing that came naturally, making music. Okay. With the incre- she went to National Geographic. She's like, guys, look what I can do. <laughs> look what I can do. <laughs> chase, chase, chasing leopards. Gazelle, gazelle, chasing gazelles. That was, that was it. I like, 
we should never make music for National Geographic, or we or should, we always, should always, always make it. music for National Geographic. And then anytime somebody gets along, we'll just steal from Kimmy Schmidt. Gazelle and Cheetah being, being best friends. friends together forever, the fun of ends. <laughs> Rhino and hippos are being best friends. Wow, I can't even imagine what that fight would look like. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> Circumstances to make that happen would just be so fucking weird. Yeah. Anyway. Anyway, so Fiona Apple. With the encouragement of her father, she moved back to Los Angeles and put together a demo. My God. Yeah. After this girl f- is just bouncing from coast to coast. But that's pretty much what she did her whole life because oh, she spent summers with her dad. Oh, so. that's nice. After finishing school in two months, uh, they made 78 copies of a demo tape with her songs. Her, okay. Her dad was fully prepared to hustle that tape all around town, but Fiona... Still pretty shy and extremely doubtful of herself, really didn't want to sell herself to record execs. That's fair. And she's only like, what, 16, 17? It's like 17. Yeah. She's young. Yeah. Luckily, she wouldn't have to. Back in New York, she had a friend with a pretty sweet gig as a babysitter for Katherine Schenker, a publicist for many big name musicians. Uh-oh. Fiona's friend gave Catherine the demo tape, and she was so impressed with it that she passed it on to Andrew Slater who at the time was a big-name record producer and manager. Eventually, he would become CEO of Sony Records. Oh. Andrew Slater was blown away by Fiona's demo. It wasn't just the vulnerability and sophistication of her compositions that he was impressed with. He loved her voice, too, which was a surprise to Fiona, who never really thought of herself as a talented vocalist. Oh. And she was under the impression that she would just be a songwriter, someone who wrote songs for other artists. Oh. So she yeah. just always wanted to be that person who's like, hey, I'll just like write for Christina Aguilera and Mariah yeah. Carey. And she so. was just writing this demo as just like, a, here, this is, these are the songs that I can make, not like, let me impress you with my vocal prowess. Oh, shit. That's pretty awesome, though. Yeah. Well, she has a really unique voice. It's not she something does. that you're going to hear. And it's not necessarily pretty no it's emotional though yes she can emote very well through her vocals yeah i agree but in 1994 andrew signed her to his label work records a subsidiary of columbia Hmm. for the next couple years she worked on her debut album title which was released on july 23rd 1996 which seems so long ago it is long ago like i feel like that's 24 years ago. I feel like Title should have been released in like 99 or 2000, but it wasn't. Next year, Title can write cars. It could. Yeah. Yeah. It can already, it can already it get can porn vote. and cigarettes, so. Yeah. And drink. Can it? Yeah, 21. Oh, it's yeah, it can. Now. Oh, shit. I mean, Title can produce anything except for rent a car, which is just a really weird law so here. stupid. That makes no sense. If I can buy, legally buy porn and drink myself to death, I should be able to rent a, to fucking... rent a car yeah. after I get off the plane at JFK. Thank you. The album explored themes of love and vulnerability, with Fiona's lyrics cutting like a knife straight through the audience's guts. A lot of the songs were about her breakup with her first boyfriend and the emotional destruction that comes along with it. 
Rarely did she speak about the trauma of her rape, only a few years earlier, with the exception of a few lines in the song Sullen Girl, hmm. a song that also explores how other others viewed Fiona when she was a depressed child. Oh. The album was a huge success for her, eventually going three times platinum. Although the single Never Is a Promise was taken directly from the demo, other songs were written in collaboration with John Bryan, whom Fiona would lean on again and again throughout her songwriting career. Hmm. She put her stamp on the 90s with singles like Shadow Boxer and Sleep to Dream, garnering comparisons to strong female musicians of the time like Alanis Morissette and Tori Amos. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, 100%. She's definitely in that category. Oh, yeah. Again, loved both Alanis Morissette and Tori Amos. Don't know why I didn't like Fiona (laughs) Apple. I feel like a lot of people were kind of put off by her. And if you were put off by her in the mid to late 90s, then you were never going to recover from that. No. Because that's her at her most mainstream. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Absolutely. Like, that is the most accessible Fiona Apple will ever be. Yes. And, like, kudos to her for that. Because, honestly, like, I appreciate that she's a little weird. Yes. Shadow Boxer was the album's lead single, which spent several weeks on the Billboard alternative chart. But it was the song Criminal and its corresponding music video that made Fiona a household name. Yeah. I don't think people really knew what to do with the music video. And Fiona was only 18 or 19 years old when it was made. Mm-hmm. And people were already throwing shade at her for A, wanting to be taken seriously, but also wanting attention. B, being really skinny. Mm-hmm. And C, talking about her rape experience without reservation. Oh. When this video arrives, practically knocking its audience over with innuendo, the people can't deal with a young woman expressing her sexuality. Right. Especially while at the same time talking to media outlets about being raped. Oh, so she was pretty open about that. Very open. From the get-go. When nobody was open. No, you were not open about that shit. And if you were open, you were still being judged for it. Like... Somehow it was still her fault, and yeah. it's especially uncouth of her to be talking about it. Right. And like, I think a lot of people thought that she was using that experience to get attention. Which is gross. Which is... No, she wasn't doing that. She no, was no, no. It's be- gross to think that. Yeah. Excuse yeah, me. it is. That's what I meant. But she wasn't doing it for attention she was doing it because she wanted people to know that she went through this experience and if you went through it too then yeah she understands what the fuck you're going through because guess what most Mm -hmm. most girls have yeah yeah sexual harassment is a thing guys like to like the smallest of levels like quote-unquote smallest of levels Mm -hmm. to just like being put in an uncomfortable situation to like the largest of levels to repeated rape yeah from street harassment to repeated rape from a significant other yeah from like groping yeah to just everything right like someone you thought you could trust or a fucking stranger breaking Mm -hmm. into your fucking building yep like i I can't even believe that you could fucking do that. People are always in those buildings walking around. Is no one going to fucking walk by or hear that and stop it? And from the looks of it, Morningside Gardens was a huge complex. Like, multiple, multi-level buildings. it, It amazes me that nobody came out and, like... It doesn't, though, either. There have been plenty it doesn't, of stories it doesn't. Of, of people who are being raped or murdered. And, and nobody does anything. People hear it and they're like, well, I'm not going to do anything. That's not my business. Yeah. 
Yeah. Or, or like there have been when I lived in New York, there were a lot of stories of people who were pushed out on the tracks and like were like, "Can you help me?" And people instead were videotaping it instead of helping them. Yeah. There's a word for that, um, like bystander effect. I think. Yeah, something like, like that. Like they feel like they don't, they shouldn't interfere, or like they don't want to interfere, so they yeah. don't. And it's like, but if you did, you could help someone. Yeah, maybe you could just put your phone down and fucking help instead of filming it. Yeah, if you hear like a child crying or screaming, maybe like go outside and poke your head out, and be like, hey, what are you fucking doing? Yeah. So a lot of people accused Fiona of promoting a heroin chic lifestyle. Which I was, do remember that. Which was the farthest thing from what she was trying to do. She just wanted to get her videos played on MTV. And she thought this director and this video treatment was going to do that. Yeah. And it did. But in a way, it kind of backfired. And she became a media target. Either people loved her for her honest lyrics and pretty face. Or she was criticized for being sad, skinny, and a diva. She just wanted to be accepted, so she did whatever her manager or publicist or music video director told her to do. Yeah, which I get that. Yeah. That makes sense. Eventually, she realized, no, this isn't what I should be doing. I shouldn't care about what others think of me. I should be doing what I feel is right. And she wanted to make her fans understand this, too. And what better way to do that than at the 1997 MTV Video Music Awards. Okay, here we are. So here we are. All right. At this ceremony, she won the MTV Award for Best New Artist. She had no idea she would win. She truly thought Hanson was going to win. Oh, that's totally legit, And though. really, who didn't think Hanson would win? I just pictured little Ashley being like, what the fuck? Hanson didn't win? That's <laughs> bullshit. It was, it was fine. I'm sure I it was re- fine. I really had my love-hate relationship with Hanson happening. Like, I didn't want ah. to admit that I really liked Hanson, but I really liked Hanson. <laughs> she didn't prepare a speech beforehand and decided to use her time to express a bigger message. But once again, it backfired. Or did it? It did at the time. Right, but also... Now looking back on it, it's like, no, this is fucking legit. Yeah, yeah. I bet. Is kind of long, but some of it as is as follows. Quote, everybody out there that's watching, everybody that's watching this world, this world is bullshit. And you shouldn't model your life. And this is where the booing starts. You shouldn't model your life about what you think that we think is cool and what we're wearing and what we're saying and everything. Go with yourself. And this speech became known as the This World is Bullshit speech. But she's right. She was 100% correct in everything she said in this speech. And she was heavily criticized for it afterward. People were really angry with her. Like, how dare she say this world is bullshit? But we still do that. How dare you say that the status is not quo? Because the status is so quo right now. But I feel like... Considering the internet and social media and everything, more people are saying this world is bullshit now, yeah. and it's more accepted than it was back in 1997. Right, because she, but she is saying the thing that most people are thinking. Yeah, she was just almost 20 years ahead of her time in saying it. Yeah, that's fair. You know, she 
she I totally get what she was saying. She wasn't saying everyone on this planet was garbage. No. She was saying celebrity culture is stupid. And mind you, this was even before celebrity culture as we know it was actually a thing. Yeah. Like the red carpet lifestyle wasn't a thing in 97 the way it is now. Yeah. It, it was it existed and it was glamorous and shiny. But now it's like it's even grosser and more pervasive yeah. because yeah. we all know it's bullshit. Yeah. But we're all just eating it up and anyway. And we all expect this celebrity culture, this internet culture. We expect it now. Yeah. Whereas in 1997, it wasn't even expected. And she was like, no, this is garbage and it's, it's ruining everything. And also, I would say, because there are regular people who just through YouTube and podcasting and Instagram who have become more famous uh-huh. and now everybody thinks, well, maybe I can have that lifestyle. So I want to reach for it. And it's like, but why? Kardashians. <laughs> Excuse yeah, me. Yeah. I mean, honestly, I blame the Kardashians and Kanye I blame West the Kardashians for all this, for but everything. yeah, everybody sees that. Oh, if I just try hard enough, I can be a fucking, I can be a celebrity. YouTube star, but no, you can only do it if you're fucking rich and mm-hmm. like one out of a billion people, you can get lucky and fall into it. But yeah. you're going to be have... a flavor of the week. You're not going to stick around. Yeah. And only if you have no rib cage and a giant ass. Yeah. Honestly. Honestly. Yeah. Looking back on it now, it was a refreshing piece of honesty that barely anyone was tapping into back in the 90s. Yeah, respect. But the male-dominated rock media tore into her for this speech She was no longer a music darling, but rather a spoiled brat that for some reason was deserving of all of this media hostility. Okay, wait, she's so ungrateful. We let her be a star. However, this does seem to be a turning point for Fiona, where she started to take control of her own narrative. Whereas before she was making career decisions based on what other people wanted her to do, now she realized these decisions were hers and hers alone to make. Yeah. Because, you know, it is always a good time for you to take control of your own life. And control of your own sex life. And you should always be in control of your own sex life. And we can help you guys with that. Yeah, we can. Totally. With our friends, Adam and Eve. You can go onto the Adam and Eve website. I believe it's adamandeve.com. Yes, I think you're correct. And you can choose almost any one thing for 50% off. That's so much percent but then adam and eve just piles on the fucking free gifts just making it rain with free gifts i'm showered in the free gifts right now (laughs) (laughs) they're clean it's fine it's fine they're clean so many things i could say um but you can get one free gift for the him Mm -hmm. one free gift for the her Mm -hmm. one free gift for the them yeah or really anybody I mean, who's honestly, in your like, sex life. Swap it around, man. Share the wealth. Yeah, but the point is, it's three free gifts. And on yeah. top of that, you get some really interesting free movies. Oh, yeah, you do. We are hearing all about the free movies you get, and they sound... <laughs> Amazing. Fantastic. Honestly, if you're a Patreon subscriber... You might be able you to might hear, hear a couple reviews. reviews of said... <laughs> Movies, yeah, because uh, they do sound delightful. Yes, so yeah, that's a item that's fifty percent off. Three free items in addition to that, and yeah. six free movies. Oh, but plus, wait. plus, you get 
free shipping. Free shipping. On all that shiz. Yeah. So. It's so, like, why are you not taking advantage of this immediately? Yeah. Like, <laughs> come on, you haven't been dating for, like, what, two or three months You haven't been point? able to touch literally anybody else. Yeah, touch yourself with so these touch hot yourself. items. Those three free gifts, you could just use them on yourself. Yeah. Honestly, this Honestly? all could be just for you. Oh my god. Like treat yourself. Yeah. Self-love is just as important. And all you have to do is go to adamandeve.com and at checkout use our code CANDYPOD. That's C A N D Y P O D, not the band. But you will feel so alive. Yeah. So go check that out. Do it. And while you're using all the sweet items you get, you can sit around and sing, I've been a bad, bad girl. <laughs> you can pretend you're in the criminal video if you want oh to. Oh my God. Just I think you just lay out a bunch of blankets and roll yeah. around in them, Honestly, right? if that was part of like your teenage masturbation dreams, then you can actually reenact You this. can live them out now, guys. You can do it. Yeah. It's going to be great. put on criminal and use whatever sex toy you buy. Maybe you can get like... I don't know, like a blow up doll and just like lay it out like it's drunk on the floor and just writhe around on it. Yeah, like you guys are just going to have like really hot, like you picked her up from the bar or him <laughs> up. I should not assume the gender of your blow up yeah. doll. You you're, you and your blow up doll go home and you, you act like you pick them up at a bar and you're like, mm, we're going to have drunk sex. We're going to go to this weird 70s apartment and just have weird drunk sex. Is that cool? Yeah. Cool. That's so cool. And you're just going to play criminal on repeat. <laughs> this is a fantastic fantasy thing that you're I... You're welcome. That I'm picturing now. You're okay, welcome. Yeah, so yeah, go, go to, uh, <laughs> to adamandeve.com, use a candy pod as your code and yeah. get all that free shit and... Live out that lovely fantasy with your sex doll. Yeah. We're here for it. And let us know how it goes. It'll yeah. be great. Honestly, let us know how it goes. We we definitely are curious. No, honestly. We are. <laughs> no, really, we are. No, seriously, tell us. It's been a hard quarantine, guys. We yeah. <laughs> we need these spicy times to stay extra spice. <laughs> Super spice. All right. Let's continue with the Fiona Apple Yeah, story. so tell me more about Fiona Apple. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> I've been a bad, bad girl. <laughs> Sound just like her. I've been careless with a, a delicate sex doll. <laughs> For the next two years, she was on the road promoting title. For someone who had never played in front of an audience before, she came out swinging. Nice. Her, fir- her very first live performances were on The Tonight Show and Saturday Night Live. Shit. What preceded were tours opening for Chris Isaac and Counting Crows, then a stint with the Lilith Fair. So she was in the Lilith Fair. She was. She ended up canceling the last leg of her tour, citing vague family issues as the problem. From the sounds of it, she was just exhausted and just hated touring. Huh. You don't say. Yeah. I don't blame her for that. People don't like touring. Yeah. It sucks. Hmm. Weird. This was also the time when she was dating David Blaine, a pretty insufferable magician who at the time was known for burying himself in New York City and being part of Leonardo DiCaprio's quote unquote pussy posse. What? Yeah. What? Which I'm pretty sure Leo DiCaprio is still trying to hold on to. (laughs) Oh, I bet. Are you saying that uh, Wolf of Wall Street is basically who Leonardo DiCaprio is? Yeah. Yeah. He's not great. Like, everybody fucking loves Leonardo DiCaprio, but I'm like, nah, there's something about him. Oh, there, yeah, there's always been something about him where I'm like, 
but I, I don't like you. I don't know what it is. And that the pussy posse might, might be, be it. it. <laughs> that might be it. Yeah, that might be it. Probably. By the time she went back into the studio to record her next album, David Blaine was long gone and she was dating director Paul Thomas Anderson, whose credits include Boogie Nights and Magnolia. Okay, well that's definitely a step up from fucking David fucking Blaine. Oh no. Oh no. This guy sounds like a fucking piece of shit. Okay, never mind. And also he's now apparently married to Maya Rudolph and has like five kids with her. Wow. So, I don't know, but this guy sounded like, I don't know, just a a hoity-toity kind of director who thought it was totally cool to, like, throw chairs across rooms and scream at Fiona for no good reason. Oh. And I guess there was, <laughs> like, I think the point in time when she realized, like, oh, this is a bad relationship, the... Th- Two of them were doing coke with Quentin Tarantino, and first of all, first that of all, sounds like the most insufferable experience no, of your fucking life of anybody's life. The three of them in a room together doing coke, and Fiona Apple is the one who realizes you guys are bullshit. Like, yeah, you guys are pretty fucking awful. I that sounds like a nightmare. Yeah. To have to do cocaine with Quentin Tarantino and the guy who directed Boogie Nights. Yeah. And I'm sorry, Fiona Apple on coke probably isn't great. Yeah, probably not. She, I mean, although if, like, gun to my head, I'd pick her out of the three. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Actually, I don't know. Maybe she'd, like, be really peppy. Maybe we would just clean the house together. In the interviews that I've um, listened to and watched of her, um, she's very excitable. Oh. So I imagine Fiona Apple on Coke is like... Me on Coke? Yeah. Like, we're going to do everything today and it's going to be fucking fantastic. <laughs> You're going to... And and one of us dies at the end of it. And it's yeah. probably it's me. It's just going to be like Fraggle Rock on acid. Oh, that sounds fun. To most people. Yeah. But <laughs> I don't know if I want to deal with that. Yeah, that might be not, that's not your not, bag. That's not my idea of fantastic. <laughs> Though romantic relationships and her fragile emotional state were once again major topics on her next album, critics noted that her words were much more mature sounding and the compositions were more complex. Interesting. Also complex, the title of the album itself. It's usually shortened to When the Pawn, but the actual name of it is as follows. When the pawn hits the conflicts, he thinks like a king. What he knows throws the blows when he goes to the fight and he'll win the whole thing. For he enters the ring. There's no body to batter when your mind is your might. So when you go solo, you hold your own hand and remember that depth is the greatest of heights. And if you know where you stand, then you know where to land. And if you fall, it won't matter because you'll know that you're right. That's unnecessary. It's very long. I don't agree with that. (laughs) And that's unnecessary. The title is a poem Fiona wrote in response to an unsavory article Spin Magazine wrote about her in 1997. But good for you on that one. I mean, it sounds lovely, but that shouldn't be the name of your album. (laughs) I mean, you can shorten it. It's fine. Yeah. Yeah. For a while, the album held the Guinness World Record for longest album title until a Chumbawamba album (gasps) unseated it in 2008. Wait. Which album? I don't know. I think I know which album. 
Mike used to love Chumbawamba. <laughs> They're like kind of a fun folky Irish band, actually. Yeah, don't don't judge Chumbawamba on uh, that. I get knocked down. Yeah, don't judge. But I get up again. But even that song is kind of a drunken like, like a, bar a, song. Yeah, if you're in a bar with some people, you're like, all right. Yeah, yeah. And they reference something. And they reference Danny Boy. And they so. talk about tape. You know, taking the piss, pissing the night away, which just means you're drinking. Yeah, it is. Some people might not know that. Hmm. Now you do. The album received critical acclaim. However, it didn't do anywhere near as well as title. It wasn't until March of this year, 2020, that it was certified platinum. Wow. It took a long ass time. That's crazy. So it just must have been like her new music coming out made people revisit yes. her old music. Like, I'll buy this. Yeah. Quarantine's a crazy time, guys. Aww. We really like Fiona Apple now. Oh, you know what? My quarantine self is really feeling this. <laughs> It did, however, spawn three singles, Fast As You Can, Limp, and Paper Bag. All of- I do like Fast As You Can. I love Limp and Paper Bag. Those are fantastic songs. Mm. All of which had music videos directed by Paul Thomas Anderson. Mm. But her more mature sound didn't win journalists and skeptics over for long. In 2000, she had an onstage meltdown that the media would have a field day with, decrying it as proof that she's basically a crazy diva. Oh, no. The incident happened at the Roseland Ballroom, Ripperoni Roseland. Oh, God, I love the Roseland. It was great. Saw the B-52s and the Go-Go's with Beth there. I saw Death Cab for Cutie. Oh. There, and Pretty Girls Make Graves open for them. Ooh. It was a fantastic show however at that time i was like super skeptical about death cab yeah and i was just standing in the back like rolling my eyes granted if i went and saw death cab for cutie now i would do the same exact thing but i really like the bridge ashley between those moments yeah i really like death cab yeah there was like an (laughs) ebb and flow like around when the postal service came out i was like you know death cab's not too bad and then like after that i was like nah death cab's garbage though I like Death Cab, but you, I gotta be in a mood. Oh yeah, I have There's to a be Death Cab mood. I have to be in the mood where I'm okay being transported back to my college years because yeah. Death Cab is one of those bands that instantly puts me back in like 2006. Yeah, and I'm like, I don't. I have to be in a very specific mood. You have to, to be ready for that. 2006. Not all of us are. You ready. really need to be ready for 2006. That was a damn year. That was a damn year. That's when I graduated college. Fiona blamed technical issues for bad sound and continuous equipment problems. She gradually lost control of the show, visibly and audibly crying on stage, Aww. and continuously apologized to the audience. After 40 minutes, she abruptly walked off stage and didn't come back to finish her set. Once again, she was labeled an ungrateful bitch that wouldn't even take responsibility for her bad performance. But she said she was sorry. Yeah, she profusely apologized. I'd say that's a good job of taking... And granted, she was basically becoming unhinged on stage... But like sometimes you can't get out of that mental state. Yeah. Once you're in it, like it's just a spiral and you have to walk away. Especially if you have a history of mental health issues, which she does. Like, sorry, guys, but like maybe she was just having a mental health issue, a problem and just couldn't get over it because she was on a stage in front of a huge audience. Yeah. 
that happens. Yeah. I'm sorry it had to happen in front of you, but I think you can suck it up that you paid thirty dollars right. for a forty minute show. Like, just don't fucking you know, just like have some empathy. I know that's hard. Yeah, don't crucify her for it. Maybe try and understand what she was going through. Yeah, people are fucking gross, and it goes back to what she was saying about this is bullshit. Yeah, is that. Nobody is that, I guess, I don't even know, well-adjusted or fakely adjusted to not be susceptible to having a bad fucking night. Yeah. And, and as having soon as, to walk away from it. As soon as a few people go on the internet and say, this is bullshit, that hive mind is going to happen. Yeah. Where everyone's like, oh, yeah, this was garbage. Her show sucks. She should have done more to try and, and save it. Maybe she couldn't. Maybe she felt like she couldn't and just couldn't get out of that rut. And that's fine. People are people, goddammit. It fucking happens. Still, she pressed on with her tour. In 2002, she broke up with Paul Thomas Anderson and moved into her own apartment in Venice Beach, California. Yes, girl. Here, she would basically become a recluse, only emerging oh, from no, her girl. home <laughs> to walk around her neighborhood. She didn't have a driver's license, so she wouldn't go anywhere, opting instead to remain at home with her dog, a pit bull named Janet. Oh, I don't know if I like that name, but I, I like that it's a pit bull. It. Yeah. Like, don't name your pets human names. I don't like it. Yeah, unless it's a super ironic, like, name. I don't know. Yeah, but, I mean, like, I've, I've had exceptions. Yeah, but like... But they are exceptions. But like, don't name your, your dog Amanda. That's, That's dumb. weird. You're dumb and weird. Don't but name your cat like, Michael. You know That's what? That's weird. Maggie's not a dog's name. It's not. Maggie's I have, a person's name. <laughs> I've known several dogs named Maggie. Get more creative. During these hermit years, she seriously contemplated retiring from making music. Hmm. But she couldn't stop it. Writing was in her bones. In between sessions writing for a new album, she collaborated with other artists, including Johnny Cash on covers of Bridge Over Troubled Water oh. by Simon and Garfunkel and Father and Son by Cat Stevens. Oh, shit. They ended up on his last uh, album. I think that's Johnny Cash 5. It's either 5, 4 or 5, one of them. I think it's 5. But yeah, they ended wow. up on his album. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. Also, at some point in this time frame, she it was recently... Revealed that she had been married to a French photographer named Lionel Deloy. Mm. I'm not entirely sure when or for how long, but for, quote, complicated reasons, the two briefly tied the knot. Huh. I don't know why. Was someone looking for a green card? Maybe. Okay. But it would take another three years before she would release new music of her own. She began working with John Bryan on a new album in 2002 after he begged her to start recording again. Oh. He had just gone through a terrible breakup and needed something else to focus on. Hey, so I Fiona, guess, so like I got dumped and I really need something to focus on. Yeah. Can you just come back? Can you just do something for me? So I guess his girlfriend, who is then his ex-girlfriend, starred in the movie Punch Drunk Love that Paul Thomas Anderson directed and John Bryan was doing the soundtrack or the score to it. So he had to just continuously watch this footage of his ex while he composed music for the movie. First also, of all, fuck that movie. I hated it. I hate 
that movie. It's awful. It's dumb. Yes. I don't buy Adam Sandler in a quote unquote serious role. Oh, especially not that one. The only thing that I had any positive reaction to was when he said, I have a lot of pudding. <laughs> and I think that's just because it's an outlandish statement. And so, and it's a cheap trick. Yeah. Also, if you had told me that this man that Fiona Apple dated the guy did who this directed movie, that movie, I would have been like, oh, fuck this guy. Yeah. Because fuck that movie. Yeah. Yeah. That tells you all you need to know about Paul Thomas Anderson. Yeah. No. Yep. Mm. Over it. <laughs> fuck that guy. <laughs> fuck that movie. Yeah. So, yeah, Fiona agreed, and they went to her record label, Epic Records, to negotiate terms for a new album, and they all agreed to Fiona's terms, including no deadline. Oh. After years of writing, working, reworking, rewriting, and overthinking the album, Extraordinary Machine was released on October 3rd, 2005. Oh, yeah. Three years after its original tentative release date. Wow. At one point, almost all of the tracks were leaked on the internet, and then the album was shelved. Then most of the songs were completely reworked without John Bryan's help. Whoa. A lot of people would speculate that Fiona and John's friendship was strained because of this, but the two are still good friends and still perform together regularly, so Aww, that's just not true. Good. Once again, Fiona's album was met with critical acclaim. It also debuted at number seven on the Billboard charts, making it her first top ten album, though it didn't produce any singles with significant airplay. Oh, wow. Okay. At this point, touring was not in the cards for Fiona. Instead, she spent the next several years casually playing at an L.A. club called Largo, which would become kind of a second home for her. Okay. She also collaborated with other artists like Zach Galifianakis and Margaret Cho and playing benefit concerts to help survivors of the Haiti earthquake of 2010. Oh, that's really sweet. Also, I appreciate that she has that kind of sense of humor. Yeah. She and Zach Galifianakis, like, kind of exchanged stuff. She guested on a track for one of his, like, comedy albums, I okay. think. And he's was he started one of her music videos oh. off of this album. Yeah. Oh, that's fun. That's like a fun little friendship that I really enjoy that that exists. Yeah. And also Margaret Cho is fucking hilarious. Oh, and Margaret Cho. Anybody that works with her, I'm like, yeah, you're good people. Yeah. I, I appreciate her a lot. Yes. In an effort to avoid the controversy surrounding the release of Extraordinary Machine, she started recording songs for a new album in secret. Oh. At first, she just wasn't ready to admit that she was writing a new album, mm -hmm. but eventually came to terms with it. In her fourth album... Another long one. Yay! The idler wheel is wiser than the driver of the screw, and whipping cords will serve you more than ropes will ever do, which is often shortened to just the idler wheel. All right, girl, come on. Was released on June 18th, 2012. Okay. There were two reasons why it took Fiona seven years to release a new album. The first was that her record company, Epic, was searching for a new president. She didn't want her album to get lost in the fray, so she waited until they installed L.A. Reid as president before she even made Epic aware that she had a new album completed. Hmm. But more consequentially, she was battling a severe bout of obsessive-compulsive disorder during these years. Oh. It got so bad that it was interfering interfering with writing and recording because she would be so caught up in performing OCD rituals. 
Oh, shit. She would even lose sleep at night, obsessively thinking about how, like, a paper towel roll wasn't sitting right in the dumpster in the alley next to her house. (gasps) Oh, my God. So she would be going through the garbage at three o'clock in the morning just to fix a paper towel roll. Oh, my God. It was really, really bad. That's so severe. Yes. I can't even... I think everyone has stupid random OCD... Okay, I shouldn't say stupid. Has random OCD tendencies, right? I think yeah, we like, all, to some extent, like, nuts bugging me, I gotta fix yeah, it. Yeah, sometimes you're just... You do something, you're like, but that's not, like, sitting right, so I have to redo it so that I can feel better. Right. So to take that feeling and magnify it by that much... Yeah. Like, I can't even imagine having that as yeah. a problem and losing sleep over that i and, oh and my gosh the sad thing is is that i think a lot of people kind of just blow off people with ocd because ocd is one of those things that you can make fun of yourself for having when you don't really have it yeah it's like oh i'm being so, so ocd right now but it's actually a legitimate psychological like mental health issue of course Something that people are legitimately treated for because it is an actual problem. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it's one of those things that we flippantly just be like, oh, it's so easy. I'm being so OCD about this. Yeah. Being so anal about this. Well, like, I think you could say, like, I'm being anal about something and it's fine. But yeah. But there's a difference between being, being anal and actually OCD. having OCD of course, over something. Of course there is. And I I personally cannot imagine having OCD to this point where no. I'm losing sleep because some random thing that does not affect me in the slightest I feel is uncomfortable. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. She eventually sought treatment for her OCD and has since gotten better. Good. It's something that's never going to go away, but maybe now she has a better handle on it. She stopped drinking around this time in an attempt to get a better handle on her anxiety, realizing it was something she had to do before she could even think of touring. Mm, but that's that, Yeah. Because <laughs> I can't imagine being OCD, let alone having OCD while on tour. Holy fuck. Oh, no. With that situation under control, she planned a short tour in the spring of 2012 to promote the Idler Wheel. Although she had quit drinking, she didn't really quit all of her vices, and that would see her end up in jail. What? (laughs) In September 2012, while on tour promoting the Idler Wheel, Fiona's tour bus was stopped at a Border Patrol checkpoint in Texas. A drug-sniffing dog found a small amount of marijuana and hashish in her tour bus, which she admitted was hers. She spent the night in the Hudspeth County Jail, released the next day on a $10,000 bond. I know that my reaction, <laughs> like the, the physical reaction I have, is not conducive to that of a podcast. Uh-huh. But if you could see it, like my eyes have rolled into my throat. Yeah. Because fucking really. But this Border Patrol checkpoint is infamous for arresting celebrities because they have like a tiny little bit of... Oh, do you like to smoke Mary Janes? Because I'm arrest you for that. You fucking dopehead. I'm arrest you. I'm arrest you, you fucking dopehead. I don't even know what accent we're going with here. Is know. it Midwestern? Is it Canadian? It's very, it's very much... Uh, 
<laughs> I wanted to do my girlfriend, but she oh, said there was no way. Yeah, it's like <laughs> it's very Midwestern, Midwestern meets like Sweden, <laughs> Minnesota, Minnesota. Minnesotan. Minnesotan. Minnesotan meets a Swede. Yeah. That's like trying real hard to speak English. She's, she just said there was no, no way. way. <laughs> it wasn't the only hardship Fiona faced during her 2012 tour. That November, she abruptly canceled the South American leg of her tour because of reasons that you and I both know are all too difficult to deal with. Hmm. Her dog, Janet, was dying. No! Janet suffered from Addison's disease, and a tumor in her chest meant that she wasn't going to be alive for much longer. So instead of forcing herself to tour and be away from her best friend, she decided to stay home with her dog in her last days. Oh my god. Which is gut-wrenching. Yeah, no, I understand we all have elderly dogs. Yeah, like, we all look at our dogs and we're like, not not this year, Satan. You got I you have to give me one more year. At least another year because I cannot handle this okay. right now. No. You, I will be in denial for the rest of my life. That's fine. You're not leaving me. That would be the last time Fiona would tour, though she started writing music almost immediately after going back home. It would take eight years, but she would finally put out another highly anticipated album in 2020. The recording for Fetch the Bolt Cutters was long and fraught with doubts. Fiona and her band started recording at Sonic Ranch Studio in Texas in 2015. Oh, shit. She went back to Texas. But also, like, like, you, Texas, I'm here. Five years ago. Yeah. Five fucking years ago. Before Trump was even president. That's so weird. What was life? There was a time before Trump. BT. What's that like? Mm. They recorded a few of the songs that ended up on the album here, but overall they felt it was unproductive since they kept getting distracted by taking shrooms and watching movies. Oh, but that sounds really fun. <laughs> they had a good time. Right? That oh, that They didn't sounds... get a lot done, but they had a good time doing it. I could do that. <laughs> Eventually, Fiona decided it would be best to return to her house in Venice Beach because it was this house that always fostered her creativity. Hmm. And it was the right choice. With the help of her musician friends and garage band, which she didn't know how to use. Nobody does. Nobody does. It's a fucking Mac application. Nobody knows how to fucking use it. You just fuck around and hope that you and hope figure it, works, it out. And hope you don't lose that file. Oh, sweet Jesus, don't lose that file. <laughs> but yeah. With the help of her friends and garage band, she finished the album in mid-2019. Wow. But mental health issues set Fiona back a little bit by the end of 2019. Oh. She'd already been diagnosed with OCD and complex developmental PTSD, mm. for which she'd been taking medications for years. But she started experiencing severe moods, mood swings and night terrors in December. Oh, shit. This wasn't even that long ago. No, it was just December 2019. Shit. Okay. After getting an MRI to rule out any physical abnormalities, her doctor put her on an antipsychotic drug. She wasn't diagnosed with any psychotic disorder, and the dosage was way too high. 
The night terrors may have gone away, but so did her emotions, leaving her feeling blank and flat. She would hallucinate and get days-long bouts of double vision. Like... Sometimes (laughs) drugs are not the answer. No. Prescription drugs are not the answer. No, and I, I agree with that. I feel like when you... Right? Going on drugs to deal with moods is... Very much a thing of trust with your doctor. Yes. That they understand what you're telling them. That they understand what you need. And understand your personality and understand what you need in order to function. Right. Like, I was lucky to get a doctor when I explained all my anxiety problems who looked at me and said, okay, so we're going to try on this. Let me know how you feel if you don't like it. We'll try something yeah. else. And also a doctor that listens to you. Yes. Like I said, I've got this, this, this. And she's like, okay, I've seen this drug work well for all the things that you're saying. Mm-hmm. We're going to try it. We're going to try the lowest dosage. Yes. To see if it does any good improvements. <laughs> AKA, I'm not going to throw you on the strongest fucking drug at a huge dosage. That's not how you fucking handle it. It's baby steps. And unfortunately, prescription drugs are baby steps. And un- unfortunately, prescription drugs that have to do with your mental health and prescription drugs that have to do with your physical health are very different. Insanely different. Because you, a doctor can be like, okay, well, you have high cholesterol, so I'm going to put you on this amount of Lipitor. Yeah. And you're going to take it every day. And you'll be like, all right, cool. And like, it doesn't really affect your mood. It doesn't affect your personality. Right. It's just like, yeah, this is the amount that I should be taking every day and it's fine. Yep. But with drugs that affect your psyche, that yep. affect your physical or your mental your mental yeah. moods, your mood swings, like, you and don't go how into a doctor and say I'm depressed. And then explain everything, and they shouldn't. Their first reaction should not be, "Well, I'm going to put you on 200 mcgs of Wellbutrin," because it's like, what? Yeah. So Fiona knew that there was something wrong. That the meds she was on were the wrong ones, and were probably doing more harm than good. Mm. Through a mentally and physically taxing experience, she gradually weaned herself off of all of her prescription medications. I'm not entirely sure if she went back on some meds or if she's completely medication-free. Wow. But she seems to be managing it with a clearer sense of how meds affect her moods now. Good. Despite some doubts later in the process and the absolute clusterfuck that is Roni 2020, (laughs) Fetch the Bolt Cutters was released just this past April and it blew everyone away. Yeah. Only her fifth album. It was released nearly 24 years after title's release. Jesus Christ, yeah. It took Fiona five years to write and record the album, but upon its release, it was met with massive amounts of acclaim, with several outlets calling it the best of 2020, let alone the best of Fiona's career. Yeah, I do know that this has been a big fucking deal. Huge deal. And rightfully so. Yeah. Even Pitchfork, who famously gives out paltry scores to even the best (laughs) albums, gave Fetch the Bolt Cutters a 10 out of 10. What? Granted, we might just be, like, desperate for 
something to grab onto in right. these quarantine times. But I, I kind of feel like Fetch the Bolt Cutters deserves it. It's a really, really solid album. Again, I appreciate it. It is not really my jam. Yeah. It has a couple songs on it that I'm really into. Uh-huh. Like, Shamika is one of them. Um... Cosmonauts, I really yes, love. Yes, Cos. Thank you. I was like, it starts with and a C. Cosmonauts was the other one that ladies I really liked. is great, and it's the I forgot the name of it. I want to say it's for her, but it's not. Is it's it? the one that comes after Cosmonauts. That it's is about. It's about um basically you know about a high profile powerful guy in the movie or music industry who hmm. basically uses his power to sexually assault women cool and there's one line where she says something like you raped me in the same bed that your daughter was born in and it's like oh oh fuck you're oh (laughs) yeah this guy is gross but also thank you for shouting that out thank you for pointing that out yeah thank you for calling this piece of shit out yeah so she's not afraid of doing that anymore good she shouldn't be. And this album is much different than her previous releases. It relies heavily on percussion, even using the piano as a driving beat instead of a pretty undulating accompaniment. It has a raw emotionality that, despite the fun beats and hand claps, mm-hmm. makes the listener uneasy. Her voice isn't always pretty, but it stands for something in these songs. It's uncomfortable enough to make you want to get up and fight for things you believe in. Yeah. It agitates you. And not necessarily it's in jarring. a bad way, yeah. but in a way that makes you feel like, I need to get up and say something about these things she's talking about. Yeah. No, I, I can see that. Yeah. The title was inspired by none other than Jillian Anderson huh. and her character in the TV drama The Fall. In one episode, Jillian's character is investigating a crime scene and is up against a bolted shut door. Instead of giving up and turning around, she tells someone to fetch the bolt cutters. (laughs) It's a way of saying, set yourself free of whatever's holding you back. Yeah. There is also another small detail on this album that people may overlook, but is very worthy of discussing. On the back cover, under the track listing, is a sentence that reads, Made on unseated Tongva, Muscalero, Apache, and Suma territories. This is Fiona acknowledging that the land on which she recorded her album is land stolen from Native American tribes that originally occupied it. Damn. She teamed up with activist Aaron Wise, director of an indigenous collective called Seeding Severity, mm-hmm. to not only acknowledge indigenous lands, but to encourage other artists to do the same thing. It's something so simple that musicians can do to raise a huge amount of awareness for indigenous tribes, especially now with the coronavirus ravaging native tribes who have little to no resources or access to health care. Yep. Because who cares about the indigenous? Am I right? I mean, we do, but a lot of people just forget about them. Yeah. Anyway. Yes. Despite stay-at-home orders around the country, Fiona has been doing interviews and promotion for Fetch the Bolt Cutters with what Mm. seems like a rejuvenated attitude towards the press. It's been a long time since the massive criticism of Criminal and the This World is Bullshit speech. But she's right. And so much has happened in the world since. It's not as easy to criticize a woman for expressing her sexuality anymore. No. 
Women cannot and should not be so easily written off, and Fiona has been wildly screaming that at us for decades. It is a long, long overdue thing, but she deserves a motherfucking parade for everything she's done for music, for women, and for women in music. Hell yeah. I gotta say, I didn't know too much about what she did, but after hearing everything, I'm like, good for you, girl. Like, yeah. Maybe I'm not like super big fan of your music and like, but I think you're but I a can great respect person. everything outside of exactly. that music. Exactly. Like, yeah, I've got a couple jams. She did a song last year with King Princess. Oh, oh I know. I know. Mm-hmm. It's so good. Yes. Spotify is like, yo, you'd like this. And I'm like, I don't know. Oh my God, I do. And I even really like her cover of Across the Universe. Oh, her from cover the of Across the Universe is very good. It too. was very, you're very right. good. She, she has a handful that I do really yes. enjoy. But the point is, even if I'm not like the biggest fan of her music, I appreciate what she's done. Mm-hmm. I love what she stands for. Mm-hmm. And she needs, you're right, she needs to get more praise for the efforts and just what she's doing in music and how she's paved the way for a lot of women yeah. in, in a more modern day. I think her approach to... Um media and to self-promotion is very under the radar Mm -hmm. which i think is the reason why she doesn't get as much attention as she should but she uses every single ounce of her celebrity to push her agendas that she wants people to know more about yeah and thankfully her agendas are absolutely worthy of being supported like Supporting Native Americans, supporting, you know, indigenous lands and awareness that, like, we've been taking shit from Native Americans since day one. Yep. And, you know, even back in the day, she was trying to make people more aware of abuse against women. And everyone was like, no, you're just, you just want attention, you bitch. Oh, my God. No, I no, don't. I'm yeah. just trying to make people aware of like the atrocities that are going on everywhere around the world. But everyone was just like, fuck you. I want to listen to Crazy Town. <laughs> Butterflies, baby. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, this is. I blame Crazy Town. I blame Crazy Town for a lot of things. Yeah, you I'm know gonna what, blame. Honestly? I'm gonna blame all of the bullshit of the '90s on Crazy Town. Yeah, like late '90s, early aughts. Crazy it's cra- Town. It's Crazy Town's fault. Thanks, Crazy Town. <laughs> Thanks, Crazy Town. You fucked everything up. You're the worst. You're not my butterfly, sugar, sugar baby. baby. <laughs> Thanks for listening, guys. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good note to end it on. We appreciate you and love you, and we're so glad you're here. We hope you guys learned some stuff. I know I did. You did. I did. I'm glad you did. MTV, what? (laughs) What's cable? Yes. So, if you guys are enjoying all of the tasty jams that we've had for you thus far, you can go ahead to our website and check out some more, because we have a butt-ton of episodes. So many episodes. It's like a... 119 now yeah that's a lot yeah we're getting we're getting to those geriatric years i don't know <laughs> something like that we are definitely geriatric podcasters we're at geriatric this point. podcasters i'm okay with that mm. i mean my body says i'm a geriatric that's for sure 
But yeah, go to rockcandypodcast.com and check out what we got there because we got episodes. You can comment on any of them. We'll comment back. Toss us emails if you've got questions or comments or stories. We've been getting a lot of those lately and they've been lovely and we love hearing from you. Yeah, it's it's the last week has been very uplifting Yeah, for us. We've gotten a few nice emails from people and nice messages and comments. So yeah. thank you so much. And we love talking to you guys about music and continuing the conversation. So whatever you guys have to say about things, let us know. Yeah. We'll totally. We want to hear your stories. We yeah. want to hear like just random bullshit because that makes our day. Honestly. Yeah. And it makes us feel like maybe... The world's a little smaller than we think it is. Yeah. And then you can also hit us up on our social medias. We got Instagram, Facebook, and Twitters. So go ahead and do that. And if you like us a lot, I bet you'll love our network. (laughs) We're part of the Pantheon Podcast Network, and it is your one-stop shop, the MTV of music podcasts, so to speak. Indeed. They got everything from... You know, classic rock to Weezer. From Kiss to Weezer and everything in between. Weezer and everything in between. (laughs) From bad albums to the ladies who have inspired musicians. Yes. To books about music. Like, shit, we got, we have everything. Literally everything. So go to PantheonPodcast.com and check out what else is there. And if you really want to support us, because I know you do, give us your fucking money. (laughs) (laughs) you can go to patreon and donate some money to us and we will give you sweet sweet treats in return that's patreon.com slash rock candy podcast give us your money we'll give you some swag we'll give you some bonus episodes and make you happy yeah and don't you want to be happy you do yeah we really believe you do. Yeah, I think we all want to be happy right now. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of being happy, I think next week will be a happier episode. <laughs> this is all you. Oh, this is all me. It's been three weeks of me, now it's all you. Oh, it's all me. And it's and I, I'm I'm bringing I'm bringing the happy. I'm starting my research and I'm like, I think I needed this. We might be able to pick it up, pick it up, pick it up. Oh, we're gonna pick it up. <laughs> I'm gonna pick it up. You better fucking believe I'm picking it up. So yeah. Come in next week for a good fucking time. And until then, a party on Ashley. Party on Maggie. And party on you crazy kids out there. Excellent. I've been a bad, bad girl. <laughs> You're Bobcat Goldthwait right now. Go and hurt a boy just because I can. Oh, God. My name is Damone Carter, a.k.a. Dem One. And I'm Nate LeBlanc. And we are two-thirds of the crew that hosts the Dad Bod Rap Pod. Our third co-host is internationally acclaimed hip-hop writer David Ma. As the name of the show suggests, Dad Bod Rap Pod is a podcast where men of a certain age discuss, debate, and dissect rap music. While we are somewhat classicist in our tastes and grew up listening to hip-hop from the 80s until now, we are also interested in the music's present and future. Over the past 115 episodes, we have interviewed rap legends like Prince Paul, Del the Funky Homo Sapien, Roxanne Shante, Cool Keith, DJ Premier, and even the proto-rap group The Last Poets, just to name a few. We also make it a point to talk to writers, commentators, and creatives shaping the genre. We've interviewed journalists and best-selling authors like Nathaniel Friedman, Jeff Weiss, Hanif Abdul-Rakib, and Adam Mansback. And as Nate mentioned, even though we are products of the 80s, 90s, we take time out to talk to some of the most important voices in rap today. Groups and individuals like Little Brother, 
Open Mike Eagle, Billy Woods, and Rap Ferrer. If you don't recognize any of those names, that's okay, because what we love most on this podcast is to introduce old school fans of rap music to new music that we know you will love. New episodes every week on Thursday. We are the Dad Bod Rap Pod. At the Home Depot, we're dedicated to helping you build the skills that get your home projects done right. That's why we offer free and interactive online DIY workshops. During the live streams, our knowledgeable associates help you tackle your DIY projects no matter your age or skill level. You can learn how to install new single pole switches as well as standard duplex and GFCI outlets. Register for free at homedepot.com slash workshops. The Home Depot, how doers get more done. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. 